listening to the Past the Forecast podcast from Wayne 15. And I'm Joe Struess. And we're meteorologists at Wayne 15 in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And this is the Past the Forecast podcast. Here we go again, Adam. You got a little uh, April Fool's. Oh, that's good. That's hilarious. <laughs> that was... Made me look. The extent of April Fool's pranking at uh, this juncture where we are in society. And it was a, uh, a little bit more active of a week in the weather world that we had over the weekend. There were there quite a few tornadoes, and one of them was uh, very devastating to the town of Jonesboro. So we're going to jump right in as we track the topics. Tracking the topics. So this was on Saturday afternoon, uh, Jonesboro, Arkansas. They saw an EF3 tornado roll through, and Joe and I, uh, perhaps the most impressive part of this was the coverage that uh, there was in Jonesboro with this storm. There were live cameras tracking this storm. They were knowing exactly what businesses were being impacted because this is the town they live in and I'm sure the same could be said for what we're doing. Uh, If that were to happen here in Fort Wayne, we know the area pretty well, the streets downtown and different parts of town. So uh, hopefully that does not happen, but we'd be able to uh, describe the landmarks to help people understand where the tornado is going. Yeah, the coverage Saturday was stunning. So we, we, we all are owned by different TV media groups. This station that uh, had some excellent coverage was a different media group. Nonetheless, uh, they had a great live camera in a place that had a tornado and uh, a lot of people, a lot of meteorologists start sharing this coverage around from Jonesboro. And we, a lot of us hopped on. I was sat there Saturday in the afternoon and just watched this coverage from uh, a live stream online. Shout out to the meteorologists there. Um, I'm sure all stations were on top of it. Just happened to be watching this one station specifically. Um, but man, what really took it away from me was as this tornado roared through Jonesboro and then into the next community and the next community, just the knowledge that the meteorologists on air had with the local geography. I think we were talking earlier, Adam. Yeah, if we had a tornado warning, say for Allen County, and it came through the southwest side of Fort Wayne, we could tell you, okay, it's passing near Getz Road right now. There's a CVS pharmacy there. We've got the Black Dog Pub right there. Okay, now it's making its way towards Jefferson Point Mall. It's crossing the intersection of Jefferson and Hillegas. There's a subway right there. I mean, we know that geography for our our daily trip. But if we had a tornado pass through Kosciuszko County and it wasn't in the immediate downtown Warsaw area, we would be up there going, yeah, uh, it's passing past this street and this street. If you live on this street or this street in this portion of the county. But it was so impressive that as this tornado in Jonesboro kept moving further north and east of the downtown area, these meteorologists still knew, okay, hey, I believe there's some golf courses right there. I believe this is right there. It just really set the standard for what we need to be able to do in a severe thunderstorm, tornado, wall-to-wall situation. 
And that comes down to us. We know we, we travel for our reporting. Or we haven't been doing that recently, given the situation. But we do travel around the area for reporting our stories. And I think that we know the route up 69 pretty well. It's whenever you get off of the main travel drags that you might not know as well. And that's where uh, on your off days, your days are Monday, Tuesday, mine are Thursday, Friday, that we can maybe take a road trip and just drive around town and try and identify, get to know some of the more outlying areas. And I know that there's some meteorologists that do that. And I've done that in the past to go grab photos of different communities up near Ashley. I got a picture of the smiley face water tower uh, up in Gangola. I've driven up there to get some photos as well as into LaGrange. So it's getting out there and knowing uh, the community. And some of this knowledge is I was telling you as this was coverage was happening, that you know more than you think you know. You sit there and you're like, would I be able to do that? That's something that is secondary knowledge that you don't necessarily know until you access that memory until and you you're able to. to pull it out. Right. And I was thinking, you know, a hypothetical, if there was a tornado moving through Whitley County. Okay, I know Whitley County because of US-30. I go through US-30 to go back towards Chicagoland. I come back down US-30 to come back towards Fort Wayne. I've had a a few reasons to go to Columbia City a time or two. But what I realize now is I can describe locations relative to US-30. So I could say, all right, the high school is maybe a half mile south of this road near US-30, whatever. Whatever, you know, there's a Jimmy John's here. This tornado is about a mile south of that. So while I don't know exactly perhaps where the intersection might be of this uh, circulation we're seeing on radar, there's enough that I probably have experienced in the last year around our viewing area that I can at least make some local connections for some people. So that's a big thing. I think that's a big a big fear Uh, as an up and coming meteorologist. You're stuck in a wall to wall situation and. You're trying to save lives here. You're trying to, to get the message out to people and tell them this is where it's at. This is what's happening. Those guys, hats off to them because it just was fantastic coverage down there. And there was one other thing that really took took me. Um, it's, you're watching these meteorologists cover a massive tornado that goes right through a residential area a downtown area, an area that they lived, an area that they may have gone to college, an area that they commute through every day, they're watching their hometown get lit up, get ripped apart in real time. I mean, I think for all of us, it's kind of a stunning thing. Last year, we've talked about it on this podcast, had a little bit of a little tornado go through the town of Dyer, Indiana, where I'm from, very minor, just a couple of trees knocked over. Um, but that was so shocking. It's like, it's on my doorstep a mile from my house that I grew up in. Well, you're watching your city get ripped apart by this massive tornado. And yet your job is to stay calm and convey this message to the public. I don't know. Hats off to those guys. I mean, they, there was a few moments where you could see it on their faces just going, oh my well, they knew it was a, 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 a dangerous, very dangerous situation. Right. And like you said, hats off to them for keeping their composure. And that's kind of something that you said, it's their job. It's, it is our job to remain calm and be that voice of calm and safety to make sure everybody else isn't losing their mind, that they feel safe as well. That's part of the reason I became a meteorologist, because I was the scared little kid. 
and I'd turn on the TV and I'd see the meteorologist telling me it was going to be okay. And that's what I want to be for not just little kids, but even adults that are concerned about the weather. Yeah, same story here. That was my story growing up too. If there was something active going on, I wanted to tune into the coverage and know that they were there. Uh, it leads me to another story. A lot of people know about Washington, Illinois, tornado a couple of years back, 2013, sound right? Uh, devastating, devastating tornado there. So when I interned in Indianapolis um, at Wish TV down there, meteorologist Marcus Bailey was the chief meteorologist in Peoria. And I believe Washington is in their, their DMA, their, their DMA. viewing area. Yeah. And he had, I think his wife's family was from Washington. And so he told me on like the second day of my internship, he's like, let me, let me tell you a story. He goes, you know, we're sitting here and we as meteorologists can read these radar, these radar products. We can read what everyone knows is their radar, the one that is reflectivity. Um, it, it's got different shades of green and perhaps red to, de to detect the intensity of p perhaps rainfall. Then we know velocity radar, green and red. We try to get the inbounds and outbounds to detect where there may be rotation occurring in a thunderstorm. And then we as meteorologists know what's called correlation coefficient. Sometimes if you're watching thunderstorm coverage, you'll see the meteorologist pull up the debris tracker, right? Well, with that, we can see from a different color that pops up when the radar is detecting something other than a raindrop. Usually it's a uniform color. Usually it's kind of red, but if you start to see some blues and some right. whites pop up in there, that's where we're looking for that debris. That would be an object that is larger than a raindrop. So the story that Marcus told me, uh, one of my big mentors, shout out to Marcus, but one of, the, one of the stories he told me is he's sitting here talking people through this tornado he sees that there's a hooking supercell there. He sees there's a great indication that there's big-time, low-level rotation going on. And he sees this correlation coefficient, this debris ball there. He knows what's going on as a meteorologist. He knows it's not good. Um, we know from looking at these products, okay, this is not a good situation. We've seen it time and time again just in the last couple of years uh, as we've come up as meteorologists, last five, yeah. six years, there's been scenarios where we look at radar and stuff gets shared out on Twitter and we go, oh my, that's not good from the perspective of we have the education to know what we're looking at. But he had to stand up there and say, all right, if you're in this area, take cover, go to your safe spot, you know, calmly get you through it, even though he knows exactly where his wife's family lives and he knows that that circulation, that debris ball is passing over that area. That's humbling. Yes, it's something that you anticipate, but I don't think you're ever fully prepared for. But whenever that situation is thrust upon you, you'll know what to do and you, you can just go and do it. Because we have now seen, as you said, for the last several years as we're coming up, fantastic coverage. And it's that point where you're kind of drawing on those experiences to create your method of presentation during those times of dire situations where you're trying to keep everybody calm but also very well informed without a doubt and at another point we've talked about on this podcast so far residential areas we saw nashville get slammed this year mm -hmm. now jonesboro ripped apart two highly populated areas in the grand scheme of things what do you think the difference was between the two I, uh, the main difference first off is 
that Nashville's tornadoes were at night. Right. That's a big thing. These ones were in the middle of the afternoon, early evening. Well, one of the big talking points has been COVID-19. So if you take Nashville, it comes at night. All the businesses are open. People are out and about. Look at Jonesboro. You might have some people in a restaurant for carryout, given the current pandemic situation. But a lot of these areas maybe had carryout only. So you didn't have restaurants, stores that were non-essential, perhaps. I don't know the exact orders there in Arkansas, um, but you had people who were generally at home, social distancing, in self-isolation, if you will. A large majority. A large majority. And one of the thoughts that have come out of this is, did the pandemic and the stay-at-home concept help to save lives? Because people, again, were not packing some restaurants that got that got hit by this tornado directly. There were less people out on the roads. I think it's a very interesting topic because as much as COVID is it's terrible, it's nauseating, could it actually have had a bit of a positive impact with some lives saved in Jonesboro? There's a consensus in the science community that it may have. And the tricky thing with that is that we sit there and we tell people to get to your safe place. For some people, their safe place is a designated tornado shelter at a mobile home park. And that's a very that's another very interesting topic that I saw floating around. What do you say to people who are supposed to all convene in a mobile home park center building or whatever you want to call it, yet they're going to be close together? Mm-hmm. My, my, my thought, and I think this is a wide thought across the meteorology community is find a place. If you can't find a place that is secluded, that you have to go to these places that there's going to be large amounts of people that we're told to stay away from right now. But a tornado is your immediate life threatening situation. It is immediate and it will pass. Then you can go back to practicing social distancing but the main threat right now at that moment, if there is an EF3 tornado bearing down on you, you don't know that it's an EF3 at the time. We know that now. You need to get to shelter. That should be your first priority. Then you worry about social distancing. That can come later. If you're in a group of a whole bunch of people, you probably try and stay apart as far as you can. But my belief is that your life is threatened immediately by a tornado then the pandemic comes second. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with that. I mean, it's a tornado is such a while they can last a while over time, the overall occurrence of a tornado coming over your house, that's you got to get to safety and ride that out and then worry about other things later, I think. And something like that. If we were talking hurricanes, uh, okay, that's a different story. Those are going to take a while. You definitely would be stuck with people for a longer duration, but it's a it's a tricky thing. A lot of heavy topics we've hit so far this yes, there have been this and, morning, Adam. And this this storm complex continued to move off towards the northeast, and there were uh, tornado warnings across the Midwest, including right here in northeast Indiana. We had a tornado warning right about eleven ten, eleven fifteen, right in the middle of our nightcast show here on Wayne fifteen. That came in for Jay County. 
the very bottom half of that county. Uh, there was a warning. There was some rotation there and uh, no confirmed damage that we've seen. Uh, no confer confirmation of a tornado that actually touched down there. This is one of those examples of the warning was issued because of rotation was indicated and it was to make sure that people that were near that rotation were safe. It's tough. Um, you talk about the weekend severe system. We, we were, we were talking about severe weather potential for Saturday for a couple of days out, and you and I were in constant contact with our chief meteorologist Nicholas Ferrari, just about how we would handle Saturday, because we had a round of severe thunderstorms here, early. Uh, not necessarily widespread severe, but we had a couple of hail events. Saturday morning, and then we were waiting for additional rounds of severe thunderstorms later Saturday night and into the overnight. Fortunately, that didn't necessarily pan out for that second round. That was a blessing. Yes, it was mainly the first round that we saw widespread. We saw hail. Uh, what, how big was some of the hail photos that you saw coming so in? So as right far on? as photos, we received a photo from Wabash County that had about inch-sized hail, and we had dime-sized in Bluffton. There was a report, I think the maximum I saw during my shift was about an inch and three-quarters. That was out of Van Wert County. Um, that was where that severe thunderstorm warning was in, so the strongest thunderstorm of the morning went into Van Wert County, so no surprise that they saw the largest hail there because, um, again, I think the warning was mainly issued for hail at that time. Yeah, there was a little bit of pea-sized hail during the evening, I think, down in, down in Wells County near Bluffton. But other than that, the main story was that tornado warning, but otherwise there wasn't anything uh, that we had confirmed. We got lucky here. Uh, further off towards the west, there were a few uh, tornadoes that touched down in Iowa and also, of course, we just mentioned Jonesboro down in Arkansas. Yep. But those storm systems tracked a long way. I mean, that's, that was the, the batch of rain, if you remember on Saturday, that we saw through our lower half of our viewing area, especially, and off towards Saturday the east. Saturday night, you're talking Saturday about? night, yeah. Was that same complex of storms that was down in Arkansas. Yeah, and they were hauling, too. Storms were moving at 60 miles an hour. I mean, I came very in. Very quick. I came in Saturday morning with the first round, and stuff that was in Springfield, Illinois, was on our doorstep three, four hours later. Um, so, yeah. So Saturday was kind of our first taste of severe weather. Um, I'm glad it wasn't what it could have been. We really, truthfully, did have a lot of pieces in place to have a pretty ugly day across the Midwest, and we did see instances of it. Fortunately, did not look like we had necessarily the worst-case scenario from Illinois Indiana, south, back west to Iowa. It's just, there were, it, it's tough to say that it was a okay event because you still have instances like Jonesboro where the ingredients were right and we have one instance that was extremely ugly there. So I think you have to walk away from it saying, you know what, we had a severe weather risk in play. We saw it happen. What can we learn from it? And I think for you and I, we maybe took some more pieces of, okay, what can we say? What can we do in our coverage should we need to moving forward? Yeah, it's a growing – every severe weather season is a growing experience. And for the first one of the year, 
it's a little refresher course. So it's good that it wasn't necessarily a widespread, very active event. It's kind of like riding a bike. You just get back yeah. on a first couple, first first quarter miles a little bit like, oh, yeah, this is, this is how it goes. And then you're good for the rest of the season. Well, it's like, you know, what the heck, man? I mean, we haven't had thunderstorms this year. And we come in, our first thunderstorm day for you and I happens to be one that has the potential to be a severe weather day in multiple ways. I mean, I worked 11 hours, not 11, what am I saying? I worked... It's so long ago, Joe. I think I worked about 10 hours Saturday. I think I was here about 10 hours. And then I was whatever you needed, and I came back in Sunday morning. So it's just... uh, Long days when there's severe weather. Yeah, yeah. And so at the same time, I think for you and I, who just like everybody else have been keeping an eye on the news and the pandemic... It was a nice change of pace for me. It was a little bit of a change of pace. It kind of helped mentally, Mm -hmm. you know, focus our thoughts somewhere else, get back into that severe weather mode. But at the same time, you don't want to see it. So it's, it's, there is no win. There is no lose. Catch 22. I'm just glad we didn't have any, any damage here really. And and certainly no injuries across our area. But man, was it windy on Sunday too. (laughs) How about that? 61 mile per hour wind gusts recorded at Fort Wayne. Was that the highest we saw? That was the highest we saw across the area. 61. That's stronger than a severe thunderstorm wind gust. That was pretty impressive. And many too. places were in the 50s, but it was very windy. And let's transition now to story time with Joe. Sure. As we're talking about tornadoes, you have, I have not had this opportunity, but you had the opportunity to go out storm chasing. Yeah, my freshman and sophomore year in college, we did a lot of storm observing, uh, tried to get some reports to the local weather service offices wherever we were. I think it was a good way to put our what we were learning in the classroom to practice. Uh, it was something we did not associated with our university. We did have a storm chasing class that you could take out in the plains. For me, I actually never went on that trip. I stayed and worked back home over the summers, and then I had some internships. So I made I kind of made the decision that I wanted to focus more on the TV stuff as time went on. I think we all enjoy getting out there and observing in the field. Um, but, yeah, I've had a couple experiences, some that uh, maybe my parents wouldn't want to hear about. Um, I think it's there's some decisions that were made <laughs> on some of these trips that it's Mother Nature. And as much as we feel that we are meteorology students and we might have a handle on what's going on, it's Mother Nature. And things are going to happen out there that – are dangerous, and that's why we encourage everybody to take cover. Um, we were we were out observing as we had our weather service storm spotter class certification, which any or anybody can get. Um, not really a certification, but you get you can you go get experience. You can go anybody listening to this podcast if you just keep an eye out to your your local national weather service page. You can go and sit in on a two hour storm spotting session. Um, where you can learn how to briefly read radar and then go out and observe safely, how to safely observe some thunderstorms and then report back to the weather service. So we had done that. And we were meteorology students, so I think a lot of meteorology students are wanting to get out in the field. And, you know, ultimately I think your first thought is, all right, let's see some tornadoes in the field. But then number two, it's, oh, no, what's going on? Let's try to help. Let's try to get some reports in. So June, was it June? It had to be June, June twenty second, twenty sixteen. Does that sound right? I, I wasn't with you, Joe. So yeah, I didn't even know you existed. I that hurts. I well, I was down in Texas during that time. 
It was the June truth. 20th. June twenty second. I'm trying to remember if there were any kind of outbreaks. It had to be June twenty second. Yeah, it was a moderate risk. Let me look it up really quick. Way to be prepared for this podcast. <laughs> I am prepared for the podcast. I haven't saved on my Snapchat memories. So you're gonna now scroll through your Snapchat memories. I don't have that many. That pops up. I don't have that many. I'll get there. I'll get there. Here we go. <laughs> we're coming. We're coming. Who uh, would have thought we'd be talking about Snapchat memories in this? Just kidding. It's not on my Snapchat memories. I gotta go back in my photos. A thousand photos uh, back. Okay. Man, the poor listeners out there. Joe is currently scrolling through his All phone right. All like right. a madman. We're getting there. We're getting He's there. He's now backtracked. He scrolled all the way to the top and now is back. That was my freshman year. Uh, do, do, it do. appears that I saved this <laughs> on June 23rd. It had to be June 22nd. You know what? I think it was June. I don't 22nd, think the date is relevant to this. Story. Yeah, whatever. So, <laughs> whatever. You After said it's story all. time. It's story time. Yes, all right. I know. Um, moderate risk. So we talk about our severe thunderstorm risk scales. This was a moderate risk across Northwest Illinois. Uh, about two and a half, three hours from where I lived would have been the center of your risk. And a buddy of mine came up from Ball State. He had a vehicle that was prepared for storm chasing. Um, he had some better windows in there. He had he was a ham radio guy, so he had a, a full radio in there to where he could communicate. Um, we what's a ham radio for the listeners? A ham radio, amateur radio. No, that's what it is. Yeah, just wanted to make sure everybody. Yeah, yeah. Amateur radio. Um, you sit there and say ham radio. People ham might ra- imagine people carrying around oh. a honey baked. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so. I don't know. Where am I going with this? So <laughs> it was a moderate risk day, and it was one that I had only been through my freshman year at Ball State. So as much as I thought I knew everything to that point, I didn't know anything. I was going off the guidance of the SPC, the Storm Prediction Center, and the guidance from the local weather service offices and trying to act like I knew what I was talking about. So Fake it till you make it. Right. So we're looking at these model websites, and it was very – a lot of the parameters were in place – and, and then I went back and looked at this as a little case study later on. There was a lot of parameters in place for perhaps a duratio event. Maybe not quite a duratio, but definitely long-lived Boeing. Um, duratio is of, a long-lasting wind event, probably around 70 mile per hour. It's just a wall of wind. I think it's got to be 200 mi- 250 miles yeah. is the criteria for a duratio. So maybe not quite the duratio, but enough to where cells were going to start to fire in eastern Iowa and into northwest Ohio. They would have the potential to put down a few tornadoes and then would quickly convene into a Boeing segment that would roar through Chicago and into northwest Indiana um, and then eventually continue southeast. So maybe that paints a picture for you. Um, So we're out there in a car, me, my buddy from college, and then my buddy going way back, who we needed someone to read some maps. So we put him in the back seat. Get the weather guys in the front, put the other guy in the back who could read read some maps, right? Man, we we made some mistakes that day. So we drove up to DeKalb, Illinois, home of the Northern Illinois Huskies, another Mac school. And we continued west towards Rochelle. We were sitting outside Rochelle High School when the Storm Prediction Center put out a tornado watch. And we said, all right, let's go. So what I was very happy about that day, because you want to feel like you're out there doing something important, right? You, you know, using what we've learned to, to try to help. First tornado of the day, we saw it. 
We were called right to the weather service. We got an official confirmed tornado. Was very happy to be able to provide that service on the ground for the weather service. That's the number one reason we were out there. Yeah. Drove south, saw another tornado that was somewhere in this rain-wrapped mesocyclone. Um, Those are very dangerous. Correct. You and this, really is where, this is where things started. Oh, boy. Kind of stupid. So at this <laughs> point, the weather service, some other spotters had confirmed a tornado on this one. So we're sitting south and west of a easterly moving supercell. So we're okay. Well, we checked our radar. Another cell was firing up just to our west with an east-northeasterly movement, which put us right in the hail core. And I know a lot of listeners out there again. This is just kind of standard storm uh, jargon, jargon, speak. jargon, whatever. So we were we were in we were in a pocket of hail that had to be putting down one to one and a half inch hail covered the road. We're on a country road in the middle of north central Illinois, driving down this road like we're on ice skates from the amount of hail that's coming down. We've got one storm to our north that has a confirmed tornado on it. We've got one storm that's fired up back to our west that's caught up to with us. It has a hook on it not too far from us on radar. The weather service has put out a tornado warning for it. At this point, we're caught. We're in a really, really bad spot. And I'm scared because I'm going, what am I doing out here? What are we doing? I mean, it was nice to be able to, again, confirm the first tornado safely from a very far distance away. You should have just gone home after that. Well, right. We should have played it <laughs> safe. We should have let the cells pass and then follow them in. Instead, we got caught in a stupid area. And I regret it still. Um, very stupid. Not a not a great play. And this is why you leave it to the professionals. Yeah, exactly. There are professional researchers out there who are trying to observe these storms for for real reasons. This was something that was just not was not our finest hour. The storm ended up passing through. Um, we were safe. You know, unfortunately, we got our radar back. Internet was a little spotty out there, but we got our radar back. We rode, we rode out the storms in there, and we followed the rest of the bow in. There's a couple other details there, but I won't bore you with them. Um, the important news is is that you're okay. We're okay, and everyone we were with was okay. <laughs> no one out got really got hurt that day that I know of that we were with. Um, Did you learn anything? I learned a lot that day because even too. though even though we were caught in a bad spot, I learned more about storm scale interaction and how one storm can influence the next storm and how an outflow boundary from one storm can spawn another severe thunderstorm on its periphery. It's it's really it, as much as I want to say it was stupid and I shouldn't have been out there. I learned a lot from it and we we were safe. There was there was one 10, 15-minute period where I was going, what are we doing? But other than that, we were safe, and I got home that night. Next morning, went and took a look back at the data and said, you know what? We were able to get a tornado confirmed to the weather service. That felt, that felt like we had done something that was positive. So, But please, please, we went out there with some experience of understanding how to read radar and while we still, by the, the 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 magnitude of this system, caught up with us, I think we were even impressed in how quickly uh, this thing developed and went from okay to extreme. And we were people who had some training in this. So please, if there's severe weather, don't be out driving around in it. 
we had some methods in place to do it safely, to do it for a, a, a reason. We had the contacts. We were trying to spot. We were trying to help out the weather service as meteorology students. But please, if there's if there's severe weather, seek shelter immediately. Take cover. This stuff is so unpredictable. Look at Jonesboro. No one expected that. Yep. No one predicted that. You can't predict that. Yeah, there's a chance of severe weather today, but there was no, yeah, we're going to have a massive tornado tear through the downtown area. So be smart. Thank you for that lesson, Joe. I'm just saying. I mean, looking back on it, if I can't imagine what my parents are thinking. Oh, did you ever tell them this story? Because now you have. I don't think they've heard this story specifically, but they were not very happy that I was going out that day. Yeah, well. And then my dad had texted me a few times and said, where are you guys at? And I gave him a location. <laughs> and there's there's WGN in Chicago going, all right, there's a tornado warning now for this county near near this area and my dad's going oh man joe's right there I said, you know, yeah that's that was the idea but y- you know what they were thinking they were thinking what the hell well actually on that point i remember a quote from my dad he goes <laughs> when you go to parent school they don't say they don't teach you what what happens when your kid comes up to you and says i want to go chase tornadoes today he goes they don't teach you that in parent school i said yeah well i'm a meteorology major Oh, I lobbied you the uh, transition to our next segment, and you just spiked it right back in my face. What the hell? What the hell? Yeah, um, we've had we've had some situations with our cloud cover, Adam. What the hell is up with the sunshine? Uh, well, a stat that our chief meteorologist Nicholas Ferrari has been keeping track of since the beginning of the year has continued to get worse in terms of the value uh, about a week ago it was at 22 percent now we're down to 21 percent of possible sun so far this year he goes back he looks at uh, the, the the data from the days the percentages and he puts this and compiles this together and it has gone down because of all the clouds that we've seen over the last week and i got bad news for you we still have a pretty cloudy forecast. There are some peaks of sun out there, a little bit more, but it's not going to make a huge dent right away in this deficit of sun that we feel like we're seeing right now. Um, this stat, to me, it's a good stat. I like that Nicholas got it. But for me, it's almost a little... When I think about it with with the winter season, January and February feel as though they're generally going to be more cloudy. Mm-hmm. Um, what gets me and what will really get me is if Nicholas finds this stat a month from now into April and we're still down below 30%, then I think I'll be baffled. I think to this point, I, I this see the stat. still pretty low. It is low. I don't think I'm... It doesn't hit me like it would if we were a month later or a month and a half later. Well, the longer this number stays in the 20s, the more of an impact and a wow exactly. it's going that's, to have. That's what I'm saying. But it's still a substantial lack of sunshine for people in this time that would like to see a little bit of sun. I think that hopefully 
people are taking advantage of those days where we get some sun so we can get out and enjoy it. I know as soon as I see a sunny day, I'm outside going on a walk, a run, trying to take advantage of it because whenever it's cloudy out, it just doesn't just doesn't feel the same. Yeah, I mean, I get that. I've, I've always, I don't know, I've always liked cloudy days. You're just a cloudy person, Joe. I guess. I don't know what you that like means. snow? I love snow. I don't know. Like Maybe that's why the stat doesn't hit me because <laughs> it's like, I don't really care for me because I'm a cloudy person. But Would you rather golf in the clouds or in the sun? The clouds. 100%. I'm done with you. Oh, are you kidding me? Little breeze going. All the listeners out there. If you've listened to this point, if direction. you've listened to this point, you obviously care about me or Adam. <laughs> That's why you're putting up with this. There's what I have to say. We're both big time golfers. You're telling me you don't want to golf on a day when it's cloudy and there's like a 15, 20 mile per hour breeze with gusts up to about 25, 30. We play the British Open. What is wrong with you? What do you mean? What's wrong with me? Why would you want to play in a 20-mile-per-hour wind? Because I can keep up with you in tough conditions. That's the only reason you like it. Once we get nice conditions, then. No, Noble Hawk up here in Kendallville, that's got the first half of the course that's very linksy. Come on. You don't want to play that like it's the Open? I the, like to the play. The British Open? I, as I was saying, I, I, I already don't know where my golf ball is going. Well, that's fair. So to have a wind contributing to that. Yeah, making if, my slice even worse. Well, if it's coming out of the, I have to aim thirty yards to the left of the fairway to end up on the right side of the come fairway. Come on, You're t- you want blue sky and sunshine? Yes, I do. I want blue day. sky, sunshine, and seventy degrees. I just I want San Diego. That's what I want. Diego. I know. San Diego. I was doing an Anchorman thing. Oh, never seen it. <sighs> Killing me, Smalls. Have you seen that one? Yeah. What movie is that? No, you haven't. Are you kidding me? I have. I have. I'm drawing a blank, but I have. I swear. I promise you I Joe, have. Joe, this is. Hang on, my man. Jo- you're, oh, you're, my gosh, Joe. You're putting me on the spot. It's a, it's a popular movie from our childhood. It's a classic. It is The Sandlot. Yes, it is. I've seen The Sandlot a thousand times. You didn't recall it. If you've seen it a th- thousand times and you know. That you're killing me, Smalls, is the line. No, I know some other lines from that movie that we probably can't say on this podcast. There's fan- every <laughs> there's probably a line in that movie every three minutes. That <laughs> no, you I agree. Quote. I love the Sandlot. I can't believe you right now. No, I just I drew I I you know it's that's a good point. I I just failed. Yes. I what was I thinking? I, I was thinking something else. For what? That line. I wasn't thinking the you're Sandlot. Killing me, Smalls. That is Sandlot. Yes, it is. Okay, so in terms that. of the Sandlot, have you seen all of them? No, I only stayed with the classic. So I watched parts of the other ones, and I believe the first one is far and away the best. Oh, yes. Have not seen... Well, there's movies where the sequels are better. This is a discussion for another day. Probably, <laughs> but there's... I, no, for real, but there, the Sandlot. Man, that's a good movie. If you have any other movie recommendations for Joe, send them to our I watched, inbox. Uh, I watched Rookie of the Year the other day. Give him the cheese! The hot, Was that sticky your first time cheddar! No, I've that seen movie? Rookie okay. of the Year forever. Come on. I'm now going to judge your lack of movie. Go Cubs go, man. Okay. Let's I'm check the inbox. Sox fan over here. We didn't talk about the hits and misses. 
Oh. Hits and misses. We kind of did. I don't want to talk about. It. Let's skip hits and misses today. Move on. No, let's let's just mention our hits and misses. We already mentioned our miss was the severe weather. It Saturday wasn't even night. necessarily a miss. We explained that the conditions were favorable, but they didn't really all come together. And there was also another uh, mesoscale convective system that moved through, and it took away some of the energy potential for us to have that second round of storms later on. And it kind of made it a little bit more lackluster as the cold front moved through. I know I kept mentioning on Saturday night that our severe threat will end once the cold front moves through. And it, it that was true, but there was really no punch with that cold front because there was no uh, real development along that line. It just got really, really windy afterwards. And our hit has been the clouds. Yeah, it's been a cloudy week. Just only adding to Nicholas's stat. Yes, so we'll see if we can make a hole in that as we get no, and I, I like his stat. I like it. I'm just saying, for me, maybe because I'm someone who doesn't mind cloudy days, it's just not it's just not impacting me as much, but I don't know. All right, now, now we're going to hit the inbox. It's the past the forecast inbox. Mike, 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 Mike. Mike check, one, two. Guess what day it is. Oh, it is it is Wednesday. <laughs> it is hump day. Uh, a viewer question here from Mike. Why do we have so many temperature swings in the spring? And this could also factor into the fall as well as we're heading in towards the winter season. It's basically the battle of air masses that we have going on. We have the warm air trying to work its way back in from the south because we are getting more sunlight. We're having longer days, so there is going to be more warm air out there. And whenever we're going into the fall, that's where we start to have that push of colder air, the Arctic air, making its way in here because we have less warm air competing. So we're going to have these wild temperature swings as we go throughout the next few weeks. So what Adam is saying is be patient with us. Please be patient with us forecasters. Last week we're in and we've got the weather data that we're looking at. One long range tool has us in the 40s for day 9 and 10. Yeah. One has us in the 70s. There was usually whenever we get that far out, I say there's at max a 10 degree spread. That was a special case. This was 30 degree spread, and it wasn't just one day. (laughs) Right. It was was three straight days of 20 to 30 degree temperature differences. They have now come into better agreement for that time frame uh, that we were looking at for the middle of next week. But Goodness gracious, it was a what do we do and what model do we trust? I think at that point you're just trying to mitigate the... Big word right now. The miss. Mitigate the miss. So, look, we realize we're going to miss on our our 10th day at that point, but can we get ourselves in a position with that forecast to where as we get a few days closer with better data coming in, we can clean up without having to make some significant changes. So at that point, I think we kind of blended the numbers through a couple 50s out there and said, let's roll. Gives us a chance to roll tide. get to a position easier, roll to tide, be correct. Man. Roll Tide. Yes. I'm not an Alabama fan. Then why do you say Roll Tide? I don't know. It felt right. Hey, this is pretty cool. Look what just came through. It's not cool at all, but <laughs> are you a tennis fan? Yes. I'm sorry. This isn't cool at all. I don't I don't know why I said this is cool. Uh, sports <laughs> Sports reporter, I'm a big fan of. Um, I think that's what was cool. 
Uh, so Wimbledon. Wimbledon, yes. For June 29th. Just got canceled. Canceled or postponed? There's a difference. Just in. Wimbledon, set to begin June 29th, is canceled. Okay. Straight from Charlie Clifford's Twitter. I understand. The last time this happened, Charlie says, World War Two. June 29th. Makes sense. Wow. Changes, wow. changes in the world. We're breaking news here, depending on when you're listening wow. to this. <laughs> and I'm not even a big tennis fan, but that's that's kind of the that's like the masters of tennis. Tennis, right? Are you saying that because it's played on grass? No, <laughs> that's pretty good though. <laughs> but that's that's like the I mean that's the one everyone would immediately jump to. I mean, you got the U.S. Open for tennis. Um, I don't really know any other tennis events, but that's that's like the big one, right? Like yeah, the French Open. Well, the French Open, okay. That's the that U.S. Ring, Open. That rings a bell. Australian Open. Okay. All I right. I believe those are the Grand Slam events with Wimbledon. Like the majors, if you will? Yes. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm not a big tennis person. Well, you should. It's good exercise. I entered a giveaway this week, uh, my bowling career. Hopefully hopefully we can uh, we can push the bowling career forward. I feel like I have to tell you this. I haven't told you this. So. <laughs> Our guy Shane over in production, he's a big bowler, and he's got a, a YouTube couple fellas that he follows, and uh, they're doing a giveaway, 10 days in a row, 10 bowling balls, so I entered, and I really want to win, because I think I, I need a bowling ball. And well, that would you be told like, all these other people that are listening about it. And well, it's already closed. You can't, okay. you can't enter anymore. It's closed. I mean, you could sign up up to a certain point. I think last week Shane told me sign up, and then that was it. So, fingers crossed, I'd like to win a bowling ball. I think that'd be cool. I mean, whenever uh, whenever we you, come out of the, the, the COVID situation and can hit the lanes again, oh, I'd love to have a ball. That'd be cool. Oh, then we can hit the golf course too. I know, I know. Time, time, yes. time, time. It'll, Patience. it'll come. It'll come, Adam. Everyone out there, be patient. Be patient. We can do it. Yes, we can. All right. We'll see you next time as we try and be fifty percent right about the weather this week. Right on the middle. <laughs> this has been past the forecast podcast from Wayne Fifteen. <laughs>